What is up, guys, and welcome back to Noah's Sports Show for another episode here today. It's been a good two, three, four weeks since the last episode we have made. A lot has happened since then, but we're not going to really be talking much about what has happened in between then. Of course, we have the Chiefs signing Le'Veon Bell. We've had upsets in the football community. I believe I already went over the Lakers winning it all, so nothing else to talk about there. Uh, the Dodgers won the World Series, making it two LA teams to win uh, pro pro events, pro championships, whatever you want to call them. It's big to see for LA sports, to see them back on top. And of course, I mean, we've had a lot of things that have happened. So we're going to begin today with saying Bruce Arians called out Tom Brady for bad throws against the Saints. Now, let's keep in mind, the Saints-Buccaneers game was nowhere near competitive. I'm going to search up the exact score because I don't necessarily have that down. But it was nowhere near competitive. The Saints had a blowout, 38-3 to win. And they even allowed Jameis Winston to log some time in there. One of one on 12 yards. Obviously not much time, but he, he logged one pass throw. Drew Brees in that game did better than what he has been doing. He goes 26 of 32, 222 yards on four touchdowns with no interceptions. It was just an elite performance from him. Now, on the other hand, let's talk about Tom Brady, who goes 22 of 38, which means he threw the ball more and still completed less, 209 yards, which is significantly less than what we're seeing from Drew Brees. And it's only near 20 yards. Sure, but that near 20 yards is a huge differential. After that, we have zero touchdowns, which is around minus four compared to Drew Brees, and three interceptions on that game. I don't want to hear the elite Tom Brady quarterback margin anymore. He is still a top 10 quarterback. I don't know where exactly I have him ranked. I believe it's it's edging the top 10, though. He might be number 11. I'm not sure where I have him ranked. He's he's near the top 10 no matter what. Maybe I do that some other time. Maybe I talk about where he is in my rankings. But yes, it, it just was a terrible performance from Tom Brady and the Buccaneers as a whole. It's not a very great performance there. The team isn't a bad run-heavy team with Jones and and Leonard Fournette, who are pretty good running backs, right? That's, that's an all-caliber NFL team in general, as especially their offense. is one of the top offensive teams. They have the best weapons in the league. I don't even think that's debatable. And the Saints also have great weapons as well. So it's a battle of who who's going to do the better job at quarterback. And Drew Brees happened to do better. And then we have, will Tom respond positively or negatively? And I'm going to go with the answer of positively, because let's go ahead and let's talk a little bit about the Buccaneers real quick. Now, let's talk about how we started the year off. And he started the year off with a loss to the Saints as well, and then he rebuttled from there, looking much better. He's going up against the Panthers this week, so we could see a really good week here, or we could see a bad one still. Who knows? So talk, let's talk week one. He goes 23 of 36, very comparable to what he did recently against the Saints, but the team as a whole did better. He had 239 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions, which was a pretty bad performance considering it's Tom Brady. Otherwise, you may call it mediocre. And then he goes up against the Panthers, and he throws for 217 yards, a touchdown, and an interception against a pretty weak secondary. And then Bruce Arians started to voice a little bit of his opinion on that. Then walking into the Broncos game, don't forget the Broncos don't even have Von Miller this season. They have a questionable secondary at some points. They still have a pretty good defensive unit, but we haven't seen the same defensive intensity from the Broncos. And I think it's a good defense, but not a great defense at all, not even comparable. 
So he goes 25 of 38, 297 yards and three touchdowns with his first game without an interception in Tampa Bay. Happened in week three against the Broncos, who are a somewhat questionable defense this year. Then he goes into Los Angeles in a game against Justin Herbert. He goes for five touchdowns and an interception, adding on to his interception total, but a great touchdown game on 30 of 46, one of his highest usage games possible as to that point, which was week four. Right, and then we have the Bears game where he loses. That's one of those games where he also did not throw an interception. He was also very highly used, throwing 41 passes and completing just 25 of them. And his yardage racked up to 250, which is not terrible against the Bears, but the loss really has to show. And then a big win against the Packers, where he throws for two touchdowns and no interceptions on one of his lowest usage rates. What he's looking like a lot this season, based off what I've seen, He's looking more to me as a red zone quarterback than what we used to see as an all-around dude. He used to be an all-around quarterback. Even last year, he was still providing for his teams in many ways. Obviously, not running the ball. That's not what I meant by all-around. I mean, he could throw it long. He could throw mid. He could throw short. He can do whatever you ask for him. He could throw the red zone. Or if he's not in the red zone, he can still find a way to manage to score. This season, he seems more of a punch-in quarterback. And if you don't put him in the right position, he's not going to do it. Then we have a huge win against the Raiders, which was one of his best games this season where he throws for 369 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. That was one of his best games by far, but then he follows that up with a game against the Giants, where he still individually does good, but the team only wins by two. You can see them playing down to their opponent in that game. Then walking into the Saints game, as I already went over, he throws for three interceptions and zero touchdowns, which is his worst game so far this year. So I think it's an extreme overreaction to say, oh, he he's terrible, uh, but... It's not great to see that against a top-tier team in the Saints, he's lost both games where he was expected to at least get one of them, or at least I expected him to grab one, and he didn't, not even close to it. So, I mean, we'll see what that means for the playoffs, but for the most part, I do think he'll respond positively with maybe this week against the Panthers, of course. I don't think that'll be a struggle for a week. I wouldn't say that, but then he plays a very questionable Rams defense in the secondary at least. It's it's very questionable, but with the the pass rush that the Rams have, it, it's going to still be tough for him. And then going up against the Chiefs in that game, Chiefs defense is horrendous. Then he takes on the Vikings, whose defense is also terrible. And then he takes on the Falcons, who have one of the worst defense in the league as well, followed by the Lions in another game against the Falcons. The Lions have a decent secondary, but it's also pretty bad. As of now, we could see a big bounce-back season from Tom Brady with the following games against the Panthers, Rams, Chiefs, Vikings, Falcons, Lions, and Falcons again. But what we got to keep in mind is his defense has sold him quite a bit this season, allowing 38 from the Saints, allowing 23 from the Giants, 20 from the Raiders, which was not terrible defensive performance. 10 from the Packers is one of their best defensive games as a whole, but it was also a very bad game for Aaron Rodgers allowing the Bears, one of the worst defensive offensive, my bad, one of the worst offensive teams to score 20. The Chargers scoring 20, 31. The Chargers are a pretty good offense, don't get me wrong, but it's a young quarterback leading the charge. Only allowing the Broncos to score 10, you could say that's a great thing, a great feat, but the Broncos were without their starting quarterback and had to start Jeff Driscoll, who actually was used quite a bit, sadly. And allowing a team like the Panthers to only score 17 was not terrible on the defensive end, but Tom Brady needed to power the ball in a little bit more that game. And, of course, allowing the Saints to score 34 in the first game. 
Now, the Saints are a very high-power offense, so we can't completely fault that on the defense. It is partially Tom Brady's fault. Yes, I think he'll respond positively based off the games remaining, but we, we will see. All right, that's a big question. Then we have, should Bruce Arians have done that? Yes, he should have called out Tom Brady. The question is whether or not he should have done it publicly or privately. It, it probably was a private issue. Bill Belichick would never do that in the media necessarily and be like, oh, Tom, Tom did terrible that game. He would never do something of that sort, and they won. Bruce Arians has to keep that under control. I understand what was through his mind. I understand the media led him to that answer. For the most part, and it's probably taking out of context. I don't know the exact quote that he said, but it's probably somewhat taking out of context for him. I would assume, because I, I don't think he'd do that publicly, and if he did, it's very stupid to do that. Now we have the question of who is the best team in the league. So we're going we're gonna to stretch this out, and I'm going to give you a pretty good category of teams who I think could be the best in the league. <coughs> so we have the Chiefs, we have the Steelers, and I think we have the Packers thrown in there. I say Chiefs, Steelers, and Packers are the only teams even competitive for that top spot. Only one of those are in the NFC, with two of them landing in the AFC. So out of those three, who has the best defense? The Packers, the Chiefs, or the Steelers? Now, it's undeniably the Steelers, who I think have the best defense in the NFL currently. Now, you can argue the 49ers all you want, but this season they have not done great, and you cannot say they have. Mainly due to injury, I'm not saying it's completely because they haven't done great. No, it's injury. Without Nick Bosa, one of their top defensive players last year, I believe defensive rookie of the year last year, without him, that's huge. That's terrible for him. It's a huge loss. Who's the best offense out of them? Chiefs, Packers, or Steelers? Has to be the Chiefs. The Chiefs are also one of the best offenses in the league. I think they are the best offense in the league based off their consistency. Now, the most offensive weapons in the league, I've already said, is the Buccaneers. So the Buccaneers have the best chance of being the best offense, but they're not the best offense. It is the Chiefs. All right, with Pat Mahomes consistently throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill with two great running backs in the backfield, a pretty good offensive line, the only problem I see from the Chiefs is their defense, which is horrendous. And let's talk a little bit about the Steelers' offense, though. That's not a great offense. We've seen we've seen the numbers be looking great, right? We've seen those numbers. They're looking pretty good on the offensive end. But Ben Roethlisberger has been more of a placeholder this year. More just a dude who can get the job done and doesn't make any insane throws. He doesn't do anything out of control. And he throws little passes just to get them into the end zone. You can see that based off his touchdown and interception rate. It's not very high in the interception margin. But his touchdown rate is not high either. So we're seeing him be a very low, lower usage player this, this time around. And we're seeing the team really adapt into a run-heavy system, which they have previously done that. Believe John Bell. And I do think the running back is very good. I think he's underrated. Steelers have one of the more underrated cores in the league, but at one point they are going to be overrated, right? you got to keep that in mind. James Conner's done very good, but eventually the Steelers are going to be to a point of overrated, and I don't know if they can compete for the Super Bowl. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not convinced completely on them, but I do think they are underrated some points, but eventually in the year, once they get to a certain point, they're going to be extremely overrated, as we already seen with Chase Claypool. He had maybe one, two breakout games, maybe one or two mediocre games. Other than that, I've seen some pretty bad games from him. And the team at the wide receiver spot is very shaky. And I'm saying that because Ben Roethlisberger does not have the ability to do what he once did. I think the team should bring in a quarterback the following season. Maybe Sam Darnold. I've heard a lot of conversation around him. I think Dwayne Haskins would also be a really good option. And maybe a 
deal for a dude like Daniel Jones wouldn't even be terrible because we've seen Daniel Jones has some really good potential. I think the best fit out of those would be Sam Darnold or Dwayne Haskins. Haskins can use a very similar playbook to what Ben did, and you're giving him a year to develop behind Ben Roethlisberger. I think that could be a great spot for Dwayne Haskins. We'll see, though. Now, who has the best coaching amongst those three? I'm going with the Steelers once again. We've seen time and time again Mike Tomlin do very well. I have to go ahead and give him that. So as of now, you might be like, oh, I mean, they have the best defense. They have the best coaching. But if we're talking head-to-head games, let's see the Packers go against the Chiefs or Steelers. If the Packers were to play the Steelers, I don't think Aaron Rodgers could really – I think he could score a good amount of points against the Steelers' defense. I just don't think he could do enough, and I don't think his defense could do enough to where they could stop the Steelers. Even on the offensive end, the Steelers are very shaky. I'm still taking the Steelers over the Packers in a head-to-head. But if we're talking about the Packers against the Chiefs, I think it's a more even matchup than the Packers versus Steelers due to the strengths kind of weighing into each other. Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes. I feel like that kind of balances each other right there. For the most part, though, I think in that game, I would take the Chiefs on top. And then if we're talking the Chiefs versus Steelers, the two teams who I have winning, right? I don't even think it's comparable. I think the Chiefs will just outscore them at the end of the day. They can compete against high-caliber high defenses, and I think they will. I think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL right now. I don't think it's up for debate for the most part. I think they're the best all-around team, despite the record not necessarily saying that. Let's move on to can Drew Brees continue to bounce back. Simple answer, yes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about his stats at the moment. Uh, they aren't great, not compared to previous years, of course. And he's also... He's been slowing down for the last couple of years. I'll make sure to bring that up as well. He's not been the same quarterback even last year. He wasn't the same quarterback. But we're seeing a big drop off this year. But we see 17 touchdowns and three interceptions. You're like, oh, it's a pretty good touchdown-interception rate, right? You can make that argument that it's a pretty good touchdown-interception rate. But the fact for me is he only has 17. We're seeing that compared to numbers like Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, all these dudes who are really high-powered to begin the year, right? We've seen them grab good amount of touchdown numbers, very high numbers, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, all those Aaron Rodgers, and we're, we're accustomed to putting Drew Brees into that conversation when I don't think he deserves to be in that conversation anymore. You take him out of that conversation, he's still a good quarterback. I don't think there's any question if he's not, not a good quarterback. He is still a good quarterback if you take him out of the conversation of top tier, but we're talking elite. I don't think he's elite anymore. Now, if we talk about recent years, let me pull up those stats real quick. His recent year stats, we'll see what those consist of. And Last year, like I said, it wasn't a great year for him, but he was still in the conversation for one of the top tier quarterbacks in the league. All right. So let's start talking about this previous season, 2019. In 2019, in 11 games, of course, we've seen that Teddy Bridgewater spurt, he attempted 378 passes, very high, fairly high usage rate, right? He did it fairly, fairly well, and he was being used quite a bit, but the last time we really seen him be used to a max amount level, in my opinion, we're talking about a huge amount, was 2016 is the last time we've really seen the team look to play into his strengths. The fact that we're not seeing that anymore has to be huge to see. 
and it shows, look, he's not where he once was, but he can still show you what he has, right? He can still be a placeholder on the team. I think Tom Brady is currently better than Drew Brees. I, I'm not even going to argue it. But let's talk about the previous season where he goes 281 of 378, which is a 74% completion percentage, right? On an average of 7.9. His longest that, that season at all was only a 61-yarder, which is not terrible, Right, it's very, it's pretty good, but from him, we expect a little bit longer than that. And that's including run, running after the catch. Of course, that includes that. He threw for twenty-seven touchdowns and four interceptions. That's why I'm not really considering it to the point he once was. The last time we seen him be that high usage touchdown leader was also 2016, where he goes for 37 touchdowns, also 15 interceptions, on a pretty good completion percentage and all. He did pretty well that year. I think 2016 was his last year of being an elite quarterback. Last year was a good quarterback, great quarterback even. But this year, I think he went from the great quarterback to the good quarterback. I mean, we're talking about 2017. We've seen a drop-off. But we also seen a drop-off in attempts for every year, including this year. Since 2016, he has dropped off in attempts, and they've went into run games. They've went into different quarterback options. They've thrown in a dude like Taysom Hill into the rotation. You've seen consistent lowering of his attempts because he's consistently getting worse because of his age. I believe he's 41. And then we have the question of should he retire following this year? Yes. Yes, he should. You know why? Not because he's not good enough to be an NFL quarterback. Because end on a high note, Drew. They're not going to get mad at you if you end on a high note. You're a, first of all, you already are a Hall of Famer. No question about it. But if you end on a high note, people will remember all the good times rather than remember the fallout of your career. In my opinion, that's what they'll remember. And then we have Candy Saints compete in the playoffs. Based off recent years, we would normally say no. Uh, many people have always said yes, no matter what the year be. They've lost to Minnesota, who's currently not doing great. Sure, they lost to Fon Diggs, but they still should have been in the playoff race, in my opinion, in, in many opinions. So the Saints... Well, they can compete in the playoffs. I just don't think they will. The only team I can see them undisputedly beating is someone from the NFC East, which is possible that they play them in the, whether it be the Eagles or the Washington football team. If they play them, then yes, I think that is the game you can guaranteeingly say they can win. They can compete in the playoffs. I don't think they will. That's my opinion on that topic. Let's move into the next one. Joe Flacco passes Joe Montana. In all-time passing yards, is Flacco underrated? Yes, undisputedly underrated because he won a Super Bowl in Baltimore. Am I correct on that? I believe he he did. Yes, he grabbed a Super Bowl where he won the Super Bowl MVP. They beat the San Francisco 49ers. It was 2013, I believe. Don't forget, this man was only a 2008 draftee. He doesn't have the longevity of Tom Brady. He doesn't have the longevity of Drew Brees. He doesn't have the longevity of those type of dudes. But he, he was, in his prime, a very good quarterback and very underrated. Now, am I putting him in the same conversation as Joe Montana? No. Because passing yards is not everything. you got to include his touchdown stats until he can pass a great in touchdowns, which obviously he's up there in every level in terms of a quarterback. But he's just not the anywhere near the elite all-time quarterback. He's a good all-time quarterback. You can make the argument for Hall of Fame. You can make the argument for why he shouldn't make the Hall of Fame, but I think he should be a Hall of Famer. And for the most part, I liked what he was done. And someone uh, made a really interesting thing they said. Frank Gore and Joe Flacco were both on the Jets, and they were both in the Super Bowl. 
2013. That's crazy to think. I believe he was, right? Frank Gore was in that Super Bowl. Because they they played in that Super Bowl versus each other, yeah. That was a very interesting thing to say. Obviously, the Jets, they're on the same team, but not neither of them are in their prime. And then we have the follow-up question, Darnold or Flacco. That's not even a question at this point. I'm taking Sam Darnold. Darnold is much more competitive. He's just much better at this stage in their careers. I'm taking Darnold over Flacco, I'd say, 99 times out of 100. Flacco just cannot compete at this point in his career. After that, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? This is a big topic to talk about. We're going to talk about who's better in college and who will be better in the NFL for the most part. Now, let's start with who's better in college. Now, let's talk a little bit about Trevor Lawrence, and let's pretty much go off of both seasons, this season and last season, because obviously we haven't seen a lot of Justin Fields this season. Trevor Lawrence was a great quarterback last season as well as this season. We've seen a step down from his sophomore season to his junior season, but it wasn't a huge step down. It was just the fact that we didn't see him meet the expectations we had held high for held high for him. And yes, I do believe as of now, Trevor Lawrence is the better college quarterback, better collegiate quarterback. And the only way that could change is if Justin Fields decided to stay in college or Lawrence stayed in college and Fields declared. We could see a difference in that. But as of now, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence as the better quarterback in college. But who will be the better one in the NFL? Trevor Lawrence has played practically majority of the downs the team has went out there and played. He's played them, aside from the previous two weeks with uh, COVID. He's played majority of those downs. Now, Justin Fields, on the other hand, went from declaring to go to Penn State. He then ends up in Oklahoma, I believe. Where was... No, no, no. He wasn't Oklahoma. Georgia. Georgia. Justin Fields ends up in Georgia, transfers to Ohio State University. At Ohio State, if you watched any of the games last year, he would consistently be swapped out in the second half where he would just simply not play, which came into a factor when he did play Clemson in the playoffs. I think that they may have won that game if we've seen the whole year Justin Fields just play the whole game. He consistently would be out for the second half because the team was blowing them out. That's plain and simple. That's why he was sitting out. It wasn't because he was bad. It wasn't because he was playing bad. No, he was playing great. They just didn't want to risk an injury, which you can understand for the most part, but you've got to prepare for what is next. And This year, they're going to do that for the most part. I can't wait to see the NCAA playoff. Definitely be talking about that. It's a really good thing to talk about. And who will be better in the NFL? My final opinion on it is Justin Fields. He reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson. You might be like, the, oh, the Ohio State quarterbacks, they don't fit, they don't fit, they don't fit. I don't think Trevor Lawrence fits. I think he, he he's a cocky individual, in my opinion. I think he'll end up in New York for the Jets behind a terrible offensive line. A terrible offensive line, a pretty bad defense, and a somewhat decent supporting cast with a pretty bad running back and a decent receiver. You're not going to compete with that down there in New York. I don't know what they're going to do in New York for the most part. I don't think Lawrence will compete. On the other hand, let's talk about Justin Fields. Where could he end up? What's the current NFL draft order? We'll talk about that real quick. Because Trevor Lawrence is is going to end up first overall, no matter where that be. And it will most likely be New York because I have them going as of now 0-16. 
So we have Jacksonville at number two, Dallas at number three, Giants at number four, and Washington at number five. Let's start with Jacksonville. Jacksonville could use a quarterback, right? Should they take the quarterback, though? I, I struggle saying they should take a quarterback. Dallas, maybe, probably not, though. The Giants, maybe, probably not. And Washington, probably could use a quarterback. So let's go ahead and say it ends up in Washington or Jacksonville. Let's compare Jacksonville to Jets, right? Jacksonville has a good running back in the backfield in James Robinson. Many people don't even know James. I don't know how. He's a pretty underrated running back in the red zone. He can definitely push the ball into it, into the touchdown. They don't have the greatest receivers, but they don't have the worst supporting cast to wide receiver position. And what about, what about a team like the Washington football team? They have a great wide receiver up and coming. A pretty bad offensive line. I'm not going to stretch it out there, but they have a really good young defensive core as well. There's a lot to like about Washington, in my opinion. They're one of the more underrated teams in the league because they could potentially be stealing that NFC East even in the first year with their with uh, Chase Young on the team, who's a big part of that. But with Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen swapping minutes, we've seen Alex Smith get some minutes last week. I think we could potentially see Washington develop into a fringe playoff team year in, year out due to the bad NFC East, where we're going to see the team like the Eagles continuously drop out with Carson Wentz's injuries. And overall, just a pretty bad team. And they consistently battle injuries consistently battle injuries. They're not a terrible team, but they just consistently battle injuries. you got to be healthy in order to compete. We have the Cowboys, who just never really get there chemistry-wise, and sadly this year we've seen Dak go down, but they weren't doing great before Dak went down. And then, of course, after that, we have the Jets, right? The Jets just are not comparable. The most shot at winning, as of now, Is Washington. I think out of the Washington football team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, or the New York Jets, the best shot at winning is Washington. And that's why I do have my wholehearted belief on Justin Fields. And by the way, I shouldn't have said that was the Jets right there. I shouldn't have been talking about the Jets. I had to finish off what I was talking about. But the NFC East, we have the Cowboys, the Eagles, and then we have the Washington football team and Giants. The Giants, of course, we're not seeing a great future there with a mediocre offensive line, pretty bad offensive line for the most part, pretty bad defense, a pretty bad supporting cast with Saquon Barkley down with injury when he comes back. Not a terrible supporting cast, but still pretty bad. And then after that, we will have, of course, Washington football team. All right. So we have Washington, the Giants, the Cowboys, or the Eagles. All those teams are really, in my opinion, not competitive. But out of those teams in the NFC East, I'm saying Washington's the most competitive. And that's why I do believe Justin Fields would fit better in the NFL than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, popular opinion. Don't know. After that, we have December 22nd will be the NBA star day. I don't think there's really anything to debate about there. I just want to kind of into just put that in there, insert it, um, because I personally agree with the 72-game season. December 22nd starts, so you can get back on track next year. No All-Star game was the main premise of it, and the main player disagreeing with it was LeBron James, and they decided to go in a different direction than what LeBron thought, which is usually the opposite of what happens. After that, we have Notre Dame beats Clemson. It was a backup quarterback in Clemson, but that backup quarterback's not terrible. 
But still, Notre Dame fans, I wouldn't get too excited. Sure, you're still a top-tier team, but I'd much rather be in Clemson's position than I would in Notre Dame's position as of now. Clemson will bounce back from that. They will be in the playoff. And if we see a revenge game, Clemson versus Notre Dame, which is highly unlikely, because we'll most likely see Notre Dame end up at the four. The main spot as of now, we see four teams really kind of battling for that, and we have Cincinnati on the outside, where they were on the outside. But after the recent win from Notre Dame, Cincinnati is nowhere to be found. I think it's down to those four. And let's talk, let's start with Alabama. Alabama is going to be the number one. Number two is going to be Notre Dame. I th- well, it's going to come down to the ACC championship, which it'll be kind of complex. I, I, I can't wait to see what happens with that because the ACC championship will be something to, to pay attention to because the winner of that will really decide who's number two because I don't think Ohio State will even be in the contention for number two because they did not play enough games compared to any of these other teams, right? So I'm going to say, I'm going to take a huge upset. I'm going to say Notre Dame beats Clemson with a terrible defense in the ACC championship with a healthy Trevor Lawrence. No comeback game from Clemson. Clemson's still going to make it. I'm going to have the number two, Notre Dame. The number three. No, no, no. Actually, give me Clemson over Notre Dame. You're not going to see Notre Dame win twice. I think Trevor will have a pretty good performance in the game. I do believe it will be close, however. So give me number one, Alabama. Number two, Clemson. Number three, Notre Dame. And give me number four, Ohio State. With Alabama taking on Ohio State. And I'm going to take an upset win from Ohio State. And then give me Clemson or Notre Dame. And they play once again here in a 2 versus 3 matchup. Two ACC teams make it for the first time in ever, I believe. Um, and I will take Clemson. So we'll see Clemson versus Ohio State, a first-round matchup from last year, a rematch. And I do have Clemson winning the championship this year in the NCAA. After that, we have a huge claim here. Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul to be Knicks trade targets. That is huge to talk about. All right. Later on in the segment, we will be talking about Russell Westbrook and how he requested a trade, but right now we're going to get away from that. All right. So should the Knicks target them? No, they shouldn't. They realistically should not. I respect both of them, but if they want to stay on the route of their rebuild, there's no point in going after either of them. And if they were to go after them, which one fits the Knicks more? The answer of which one fits more would be Chris Paul in the passing system, but I would say the one they should target more is Russell Westbrook. You can help him develop Dennis, and he honestly could lead you to the playoffs. He could have an MVP season and lead you to the playoffs because you know he'll be padding his stats down there in New York. After that, we have Phoenix Suns in Oklahoma City have discussed Chris Paul trades. Does Chris Paul fit with Phoenix? Yes, yes he does. Uh, very similar to Ricky Rubio, Ricky Rubio, except he's a better defender and honestly a better passer. Despite the stats not saying it. as of now he's a better passer. He's a better scorer. As I said, a better defender and overall he's a better leader. I think he'd fit with Phoenix great. And if you can find a way to keep Rubio and get Chris Paul, then you are looking good down there in Phoenix with a good backup point guard in Ricky Rubio and a good starting point guard Chris Paul. So I, I think that would be a great fit with Phoenix. I don't know if he'll pull it, but I do think it'd be a great fit. And after that, we have Mark Deganaut. I don't know how to say his name. I believe Deganaut. I'm not sure. He is the new Thunderhead coach. 
I'm not sure about his background. I'm not really going to talk about that much because I'm not really informed on it. So, yes, he is the new head coach for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now we have, should the Lions have selected Tua or Justin Herbert? This isn't asking which one. This is asking, should they have selected a quarterback, pretty much? And, yes, I think they should have. The offensive line decision that they took, I believe, didn't work out for them. Um, I think they should have if one of these players selected as tough because Matthew Stafford's not doing terrible. It's not the quarterback position, but I think they would use they could use some quarterback creativity down there in Detroit. And it's coming off a bad game for Matthew Stafford. We always see these headlines: bad game equals well, they shouldn't they should have taken a quarterback in the draft. No, it's not exactly what I'm saying. I just don't think their pick panned out for the most part. They didn't even take an offensive lineman. I'm stupid. They took uh the corner cornerback. Let me search up the draft real quick. NFL Draft 2019 or 2020. Which one was it? Was it 2020? Yeah, it was 2020. But no, um, they took a corner, I believe. Let me make sure. Yeah, they took Jeff Okuda from Ohio State. I knew that. I don't know why I didn't say it. The team who took the offensive lineman was Andrew Thomas to the Giants. Sorry, I got that wrong. Incorrect. My bad. But we've seen Tua go number five, and we've seen the Chargers take Herbert at six. So... Should they have taken him? Arguably yes, arguably no. I don't know. Akuda hasn't done terrible. But I'm still struggling with that because it's 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 interesting to me. I think Tua's speed and creativity really could have helped the Lions offense out. And Herbert's just overall youth would have been really interesting to see in Detroit. Now the question of which one is currently better. I'm definitely taking Herbert, but I think the upside goes to Tua. And then which one would be better in Detroit? As I already said, I'm going with Herbert. But, as of now, I'm going with Herbert. But I would love to see Tua's speed and creativity in in Detroit. I just think he'd get crushed by that offensive line, where on the other hand, I think Herbert is good about getting around the bad offensive lines. So I I would personally go with Herbert. But I, I could see both. Sides for Tua, because Tua is a really good quarterback. And we only have two more topics to discuss. It's been a pretty long episode. Lakers interested in deals surrounding Kyle Kuzma and DeMar DeRozan. Should they consider this? Yes, of course you should, Lakers. I don't know why I'm seeing Lakers fans who are some of the most ignorant fans ever. Saying, oh, we don't want DeMar. DeMar can't shoot. DeMar can't shoot. DeMar is not a good shooter, don't get me wrong. But if you can find a way to pull a deal with Kuzma, Danny Green, and KCP... For DeMar DeRozan, you better pull that in a second. I don't want any debate on it. If you have a chance to pull a deal with maybe a first round, of course, late first pick, maybe uh, maybe a late first pick in a second, as well as Kuzma, KCP, and Danny Green in return for DeMar, that would be an insane deal to pull. You bring in your third star, and you guys would immediately be good. People underestimate DeMar DeRozan, who's a pretty good perimeter defender as well. And he averaged 22, and he did amazing in the bubble. I don't know why we're even making the argument of whether or not they should do that. Yes, the Lakers should. I don't think the Spurs should even consider pulling that deal if they get offered that. Next, we have Russ once out of Houston. Top landing spots are the Knicks, Hornets, and Clippers, where the most likely landing spots are those. Which one has the best, you know, which one would fit him in his winning caliber? The Clippers. Which one would fit him the best? The Clippers. Which one would overall, though? Which one would he want to go to? In my opinion, the Knicks. I think he'd love to be in New York. He'd love the system. And the least likely place he'd want to go is Charlotte. Now, the most likely team to pull a deal for Russ 
is either New York or Charlotte because the Clippers just don't have the, the assets to really pull. And they do have the assets, don't get me wrong. It's just the money would not match unless they were to sign and trade away Montrezl Harrell and maybe a player like Lou Will and a first, which even then money would still be complicated there. We'll see what they would do in that situation. But for the most part, I think the most likely spot he could land, believe it or not, is either New York or Charlotte. And I would love to see him in Charlotte, believe it or not, because I think Charlotte's a really underrated team with what they currently have. Now, imagine Westbrook at the one, Devontae Graham at the two, Bridges at the three, P.J. Washington at the four, and Cody Zeller at the five. And I don't think they'd really have to give up all that much. Maybe Rozier and Batum, and maybe not even their first round here. I, I could see them pulling a uh, next year first round pick, and maybe even a second, rather than throwing away this year's top pick. I would love that uh, to see that from Charlotte's point of view. I don't know if the Rockets would accept that, though. So, I do think the most likely spot for him is New York, but I'd love to see him in Charlotte. I would hate to see him in Clippertown, though. I don't think that's a place where, you're, where you will get a ring, and you may be even more heavily scrutinized in L.A. So, that's all we really have here today. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you are still here, congratulations. It's been 38 minutes. I'm going to try to be a little bit more accurate on making sure I post, making sure I actually pay attention and all. Because I don't want to do it every four weeks or anything. I want to be somewhat consistent, maybe every week. But we'll see if I have the time to do so. So thank you so much for listening.